Personally, I am very excited about tonight. We have in our midst uh, five student speakers that are going to be preaching this evening instead of me. And I'm really excited to hear what they have to say to you and to allow them to just speak from their hearts, their own life experiences, and things that God has taught them. So I want you to really focus in on what they're saying because I think you're going to be challenged by it. Our first student speaker tonight is Trinity, and she is a senior at Palisade High School. She's in the IB program. All, many of you know and love her. But she's also an epic speech and debater. So focus in and listen to what Trinity has to say. So I always have Christian music playing in my car because it keeps me more relaxed. There's less annoying commercials, and it's a great conversation starter. One evening, I was driving a friend home from speech and debate practice, and I knew she, that she was an atheist, so of course, I started a conversation about Jesus. After the 25-minute car ride, she still didn't seem convinced of his existence, but she seemed like she wanted to be. So I turned to her and I asked her, what's stopping you? And there was an awkward moment of silence. She turned away. And she starts telling me this story about how a couple years ago her grandmother died. And she didn't pray that her grandmother would be saved, but she prayed that she could see her grandma one last time before her grandma passed away. Unfortunately, her grandma passed away before my friend could ever see her. And with tear-stained eyes, she looks up to me and asks me, if God really exists, why did he let this happen to me? And even as someone who has a relationship with Jesus, this question is also hard for me. And I don't think that I'm alone in this. Oftentimes in our frustration, we ask God things like, God, if you love me, why did you let my friend get cancer? Or God, if you love me, why did you let me be abused? God, if you love me, then why did you let blank happen? And unfortunately, there is no blanket answer to this question. But when we look to Ecclesiastes 2.23, Ecclesiastes critiques, their days of labor are filled with pain and grief. Even at night, their minds cannot rest. It is all meaningless. This word meaningless, which is used throughout the entire chapter of Ecclesiastes, actually come from, comes from the Hebrew word hebel. And it looks like that. And what this word hebel is translated to is this concept of steam, vapor, and vanity. And when in the context of this verse actually relates to the idea that not everything is meaningless, but rather we don't understand what we're going through while we're in the midst of it. So when you are in a steam, view, in a steam room, your view is obstructed by the steam, so you can't see what's around you. Furthermore, when you are in the midst of a struggle, you might not be able to see the big picture or how God is working in your life because your view is again obstructed by the steam. And while we may not necessarily understand what is going on, there's a common theme in the Bible 
that when one struggles, one gains supernatural closeness to God. And we can see this when we look to the chapter of Job. In the beginning chapter Job, in the beginning of Job chapter two, God is bragging about his servant to Satan. To which Satan replies, a man will give up everything he has to save his life, but reach out and take away his health, and surely he will curse you to your face. And this is the beginning of essentially a huge test for Job. And in this test, he loses everything, his cattle, his wife, and his children. But never does he actually curse God. In Job chapter six, verse 10, he says, at least I can take comfort in this. Despite the pain, I have not denied the words of the Holy One. And later, he starts a conversation with God. He starts crying out to the Lord, and in his crying, he begins praising the Lord. He shouts in Job 10:9, remember that you made me from dust? Will you turn me back to dust so soon? You guided my conception, you formed me in the womb, you clothed me with skin and flesh, and you knit my bones together. You gave me life and showed me unfailing love. He continues crying out, complaining and praising the Lord. Later, God responds in a whirlwind. He says, do you still want to argue with the God Almighty? You are God's critic, but do you have the answers? And Job realizes that he doesn't have the answers. And so Job and God go back and forth in this conversation, and it finally ends up with Job humbling himself before the Lord. And spoiler alert, this ends up well for them. In Job 42.10, it says that when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. In his struggles, Job became wiser. But not only this, God used Job as an example to his friends and is using him right now as an example in this very room. God used Job as a testimony to God's love when times when the world is going fantastic, but also when you feel like the world is falling apart. So, when you're in the midst of trouble, the reason for it may be unknown, but what is known is that you can grow supernaturally closer to God and gain wisdom through it. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 tells us to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you what path to take. When it seems like there is no way because a struggle that you are going through is too tough, that may be exactly the point. You can't handle it, but God can. And when you lean on God, you can become closer to him, just as Job did. Thanks. And that's why Trinity is um, the number one in the state for speech and debate right now, in case you didn't catch that. So amazing. So proud of her because even as she speaks that, guys, she hasn't had a perfect life. She's walked through trial and hardship and seen those things come to pass in her own life. All right, so next up, I'm inviting Tavia, and I love Tavia. She's from Fruita Monument High School. 
and also a senior, and Tavia's gonna share what she's written. All right, I'm fighting a bit of a sickness, so excuse me if I have to cough. All right, <laughs> so at surface level, my childhood looked pretty great. We weren't really rich, but we weren't really poor. I was an only child, so inevitably, I was spoiled. My dad worked really hard to provide for us so that I could do a lot of fun things. Things like Disney World, Universal Studios, SeaWorld, lots of fun concerts. My mom also had a lot of connections through her work, which gave us things like VIP tickets to Country Jam every year with backstage passes and meet and greets. And every year when Ju Juco came around, I was at every game. I practically lived there because we got free season passes. While all of this sounds really cool, if you were to dig a little deeper, you would see that I also missed out on a lot as a kid. I never had a happy home. My parents married when I was four and divorced when I was eight, and the only reason they made it that long was because they figured that having an unhappy family was better than having none at all. I also never had a mother that was truly there. She's been an alcoholic ever since I, she was 14, and the booze pretty much always came before me. One of the hardest parts about this was that I was never really given an opportunity to know Jesus. My mom wasn't a believer, so instead of Sunday mornings being dedicated to church, they were spent cleaning house or watching football games. A couple years after my parents got divorced, my uncle decided to invite my dad and I to start coming to fellowship. I was really nervous about going. I didn't know anything about church or what to expect. And I remember the first time we came, I was really confused about most of the stuff that they talked about. I didn't understand all the churchy terminology that the pastor used, and I felt like a small fish in a big pond. Everything about it was weird, but I felt intrigued to learn more, so we kept coming. And eventually, my dad and I decided to make it official that we were going to follow Jesus and were saved one Sunday morning by one of the prayer counselors. So now fast forward a couple years, and in the middle of my freshman year, I moved into my dad's house full time. My mom's drinking had become too much, and I was tired of babysitting her every single night. However, after I moved out and for the next year after that, she became the biggest bully I'd ever had to face. She would send me mean texts and post lies on Facebook, trying to hide her mistakes and justify to her 3,000 Facebook friends why I'd left her. I was depressed, I couldn't find the good in life anymore, I didn't care about school. I really didn't care about anything. I was upset every night because of the things that she'd say to me. So instead of ho doing homework, I would just fight with her until I cried and fell asleep. To numb the pain, I turned to partying with my senior friends. I did things I'm not proud of, and I became someone I didn't recognize. I was going off the deep end with no way to stop and nothing to grab hold of. I wanted desperately to feel better, but I didn't know what to do. So one week at church, I heard them talking about how they were introducing a new youth group called 4640. They talked about how it was going to have a ledge swing and a foam pit and some bungee trampoline thing. And it all sounded really cool, but the words youth group were extremely intimidating. I didn't really have any friends at the church, and going to a new place with no friends was not something that I wanted to do. So I heard them talk about it week after week, but I never found the courage to go. Until one day at the end of the first semester of my sophomore year, my friend from school approached me about it. Megan didn't go to church, but she had heard a lot about 4640 from someone else at our school and asked if I knew anything about it. We talked it over and decided that we wanted to check it out. She was strong in her faith, but didn't go to church much. And I came to church almost every week, but definitely was not in a good place in my faith. 
We both knew we needed, need, knew we needed it, so we went out on a limb and we made it our New Year's resolution to start coming to 4640. And that was when everything changed. The first few months, we didn't talk to anybody. We kept to ourselves, we watched everyone else, and left as soon as the message was over. We eventually were pushed into a small group with a few other kids that we didn't know, but the leaders were really nice and made us feel welcome. And as we made it a regular thing to start coming to 4640 every week, and I started learning about God, I began to feel something stirring inside of me. I felt happier, I felt like my life had purpose again, I started caring about what my actions meant in the long run instead of just how they made me feel in the moment. So to show you guys this, I have a picture of my transcripts. I don't know how well you can see that, but um, the first section is the end of my freshman year. So that's right after I moved out of my mom's house. The second section is the first semester of my sophomore year when I was at the peak of the battle with my mom. And then second, or the third one is the second semester of my sophomore year. So I don't know if you can see that, but um, the first two have like C's and B's and that may not seem super bad, but I've always been like a straight A student and I've always really cared about grades. But when I have everything going on at home, grades were not a priority, homework, didn't, I didn't care about it. And then in the last section after I started coming to 4640, um, I started to look at doing my homework and paying attention in school and doing well as a way of obeying God and working hard for Him, and my grades went up. I got straight A's that next semester. <laughs> and school wasn't the only place I started to see changes in my life. I no longer cared what my mom said about me because I knew that I was a child of God and He loved me. I no longer walked with my head low, drowning in my sorrows, because he gave me peace and strength and a comfort that I hadn't felt in a really long time. And the holes that my mom made in my heart were filled because I knew that I was the child of the one true king, and where my mom fell short, God would always be there to help me up. That following summer, I went to Desperation Conference, and during those four days, I pressed into God, and I felt his presence like never before. I made new friends. I got to know my old ones a lot better. I got to know the pastors of 4640, and I walked away feeling like a new person. When we got back, I felt called to get more involved in the church, so I began serving in kids' ministry on Sunday mornings and on middle school nights for 4640. Now, I know sometimes we can get caught up in all the cool stuff we have here, and we are so incredibly blessed to have everything that we do, but we need to remember the real reason we're all here, if you can commit to God and come every week with the expectation of encountering your heavenly father, I promise you will. We serve a faithful God who has a plan for each and every one of us and wants the very best for us, but he's not gonna make a change unless you invite him to. First Chronicles 28.9 says, and you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. I don't know where my life was headed before I started coming here, and I am glad I didn't get the chance to see. However, I wouldn't change anything I went through because I believe that it led me exactly where I needed to be and made me the person I am today. For those of you thinking you're too far gone or you're a helpless cause, I can assure you that it's never too late to start a meaningful relationship with God. 
All it takes is a step of faith, a decision to not just follow Jesus, but run after him with full devotion, arms stretched wide. And I promise you won't regret it because for me, that small step led to peace, joy, friendships that will last a lifetime and an eternal relationship with the God of this universe. So good. Okay, um, next up we have Damon, and Damon is a senior at Fruit of Monument High School, and I can't wait for you guys to hear what he has to say. It's incredible. Okay, so growing up, I was not raised Christian. I lived with my single mom and my brother. My mom actually had a poor view of Christians, and because of this, I had a poor view of Christians. Um, we never went to church. My mom taught us to have a free-spirited mindset. So we had to be open to anything. I used to believe in aliens and other myths. We were not supposed to judge others and we didn't have a whole lot of structure growing up. We sort of believed in God, but he was just an idea to us and we only ever prayed to him out of occasion, like Thanksgiving or things. Other than that, I never really thought much about church or God. I never did chores, never did my homework, I never learned how to treat others with respect or to be considerate. Basic social interaction skills, integrity, and work ethic were not present in my youth. So my mom and my dad were both high school dropouts. They had me when they were young. Uh, they never married. I would go with my dad on weekends and stay with my mom during the week for school. I had one Christian friend growing up throughout elementary school. And whenever he told me about God, he seemed to only mention the part about how I was going to hell. So that, that became a wedge between us. Of course, I know now that his intentions were not to make me feel that way. And we were kids, and so there's a lot of miscommunication. Uh, but at the time, it really made me resent Christians even more. In sixth grade, my mom asked me if I wanted to do online school. I said yes, because the idea of staying home all day instead of going to school sounded like living the dream every kid who had to go to school wished for. Except for the fact that I never did online work. I stayed home all day doing nothing. And so that really messed up my growth and interaction with other people. As a result, I was not accustomed to the social trends of kids my age. I was very awkward and antisocial. It definitely lowered my independent in thinking and reasoning to an all-time minimum to where I was allowing my mom to do everything for me. Around eighth grade was when I made some big decisions in my life. I decided to go back to school, but uh, because I was so far behind, I was just hopelessly lost and I couldn't do any of the work I was assigned. So instead I ditched classes and I got in trouble with truancy officers. If you don't know what those are, that's probably a good thing. Uh, my dad and my stepmom had moved to Grand Junction after my dad graduated college in Denver and asked me to move in with him. I had a pretty good relationship with my dad before I dropped out of school and kept it alive while he was gone, so I made the decision to go ahead and move out of my mom's place. I don't know how it was possible for me at the stage I was to make that kind of a decision on my own, uh, but I did. Something deep inside me just told me that it was the right thing to do. So I moved to Junction and started going to school at Fruita 8 and 9. Uh, my dad and stepmom went to fellowship. 
they knew Jesus, I did not. And given my experiences and impressions towards Christians, I knew that they were not like most churchgoers I knew or thought I knew. There was something present in them that drew me to fellowship. And James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So they went to church every Sunday, invited me to go with them. They didn't make me go. They never made me go to church, which really surprised me. Um, they didn't make me feel bad for going if I didn't go either. And they never made me feel bad for not believing in God. They simply asked if I wanted to go to church. And so I went with them because I didn't want to stay home by myself. And if I'm being honest, I was also mostly in it for the free lunch afterwards. <laughs> at first, at first. Uh, but the more I went, the more better I felt. I, I started changing and I started growing and I felt something awakening on the inside of me and it was a very foreign feeling. What I felt changing me from the inside out and suddenly I felt bad about sin patterns I was doing. I felt bad about things I knew were wrong and didn't worry about them before. I learned what the word salvation means and what Jesus said on the cross was all about. Uh, I started asking my dad and my stepmom what I could do to be saved. They told me the truth about who Jesus was and that he loved me enough to die for me. So after my eighth grade year, having failed miserably with my grades and just feeling the crushing weight of shame and guilt for letting my dad and stepmom down and starting to feel like moving in with them was a mistake, I said a prayer accepting Jesus Christ into my heart and confessed with my mouth that I believed him one night by myself. Romans 10.9 says, if you obey and declare, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That following school year, I turned my grades from failing Fs to As and Bs. I got an academic award at the end of my ninth grade year and many more to follow. I started going to church every Sunday and it wasn't just for me anymore for the food, it was for God. <laughs> and now I'm always trying to throw myself into God's arms any chance that I get. The more I let my old self go, the more I become my true self. And so what can all of you learn from this story? That God speaks to each and every one of you. And what we all need to do is to just listen. I have done this myself, on the school bus, in the school library. I read my Bible, but more importantly, I talk to God. I ask him to show me the way. I work out my fears and concerns and hurts. I pray for our school. I write words from God for my creative writing class. I talk to my fellow peers and coworkers about what Jesus did for us and how he was always with us. But in the end, it is always up to us to draw close to him. It takes both sides for relationship to work. I am now a senior about to graduate, which would not have been possible five years ago. All because I took a leap of faith to follow the voice inside of me saying, go. Both of my parents dropped out of high school. I will be the first of my mom and my dad and siblings to graduate. And it is all because I listened to God calling me to something greater than I ever could have imagined. And it changed my life forever. Okay. Um, that's what it's all about. Like, that's what... 4640 exists for. That's why Orange Team does what they do, do and the pastors do what we do because it's 
these changed lives. It's you. It's your life being changed one student at a time by, by God in these kind of moments. And I don't really know what to say. So now I'm supposed to introduce the fourth student speaker, who is our beloved Riley Breckheimer. So come on out, Riley. Riley is a junior this year, and you'll love this. So all through my life, there have been a lot of things that I've struggled with. The biggest obstacle I've fought against has always been fitting in. I've never really felt like I fit in, and I never really understood why. I always felt alone, and I never really had a lot of people around me, a lot of friends that stuck around for a long time. I also grew up with random people just like not liking me for some random reason, and I never understood why. I always tried to fit in, I always tried to act like the other kids, dress like the other kids, and say things that they would say even if I didn't understand it. And I don't know if you guys know what happens when you say things when you don't understand it, but it's no bueno. Like, you get that look from your mom or your teacher and you're like, I really hope you didn't say what I think you just said, because I think if you said what I think you just said, you're not gonna be happy the rest of the day. Anyway, I turned in the girl that annoyed a lot of people because I tended to change my personality based on who I was hanging out around. Over the years, I got used to not really having any friends, so I'd kind of wander tables at lunch, just sitting at the empty chair near the kid I knew. When I got to eighth grade, it became very clear to me how out of place I felt. Our class was treated like high schoolers at the 8-9 because we were in the same building as the freshmen. So not only was I in a new school, but all my friends from middle school just kind of disappeared and I felt more alone than ever before. And because I felt so lost, I was starting to develop a lot of insecurities. I started criticizing my body type and I didn't like how my hair, or how, how my hair looked or how I dressed. And I started thinking that the after school activities that I did weren't cool anymore. I changed a lot of the things that I did. Like I started changing my hairstyle, how I dressed and the sports and extracurriculars I did. But no matter what I did, no matter what I changed about myself, I never got to a point where I really felt like I belonged anywhere. In fact, I actually think that I felt less popular than I was before, and I didn't even think that was possible. Through that, I learned that being popular isn't God's plan for me at all. I feel like a lot of people are struggling or have struggled with the same thing that I did, and that was what God was telling me when he told me to share this with you. God didn't put us here on earth so that we could fit in. He put us here to wait for our time in heaven where we were created to fit in. Like I experienced when I was younger, there were a lot of people that seemed to hate me. I believe God is showing us that it's not because of our personalities or looks that people hate us sometimes. It's because we don't belong to this world. It's because God chose us and because we belong in heaven with our God who loves us more than anyone else ever can and we don't belong in this world filled with hatred. John 15, 19 says, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. We are hated for the same reason that Jesus was hated. Jesus was chosen to come to the earth to die for our sins, and we were chosen to be on the earth to wait for our time when God calls us to heaven, our real home. 1 Peter 2, 9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. God wants us all to understand that he chose us and created us as his children, so we shouldn't not focus on being accepted. We should focus on being close to God because in the end, 
His acceptance is the only acceptance that will ever matter. Now, for the people that are struggling to find friends like I did, here's a pro tip. Pull into God, not the popular kids, or stuff like electronics or food. As soon <laughs> as soon as I pull into God, especially in the moments when I feel the most alone, it is when I am closest to God that I have the most friends. It's in those times when I met people like Sue, Morgan, Hope, Brandy, Trinity, and all the other hooligans I call my best friends. I know from experience that it is hardest to pull into God when we feel alone and when we feel like nobody really wants to be around us. But it's when I pulled in closest to God that I didn't feel alone. And that was when I felt like I belonged somewhere. So from now on, I challenge you guys to not focus on what you could do to be more popular, what you could do to make your friends happy, but focus on what you could do to pull into God because he will give you the friends that will last a lifetime and he will give you the friends that will never leave you feeling alone. Yep. Um, so our fifth student speaker for this evening is Brandon. And Brandon recently graduated last year, and so he's in that young adult phase, figuring out what to do with his life, and his sermon is life-changing. Awesome. So growing up, life was never easy. I watched the most brave, loving, caring, compassionate woman that I've ever met <clears throat> sacrifice everything that she had to make myself and my little sister happy. From working two to three jobs to keep food on the table and a roof over our head, clothes on our back and shoes on our feet, she gave out of the kindness of her own heart. And I can never thank her enough for that. That beautiful woman is my mother and there was a time when she was between jobs and it caused us to move around a lot, way too often. Um, until about June of 2013 when my little sister and I came to Grand Junction, Colorado to visit family on summer break. When I moved to Grand Junction, I had no idea who God was. I mean, I remember going to church on, on Christmas and on Easter and sitting in a room with a bunch of people much older than I was, ramble on about something that made no sense to me and I couldn't comprehend. So when I moved here and I found out that my family were Christians, it really came as quite of a shock to me. I didn't know what that meant and to be honest, I didn't even know if I liked it. Until one day we had the opportunity to go to Camp Cedar Edge for youth camp. I was scared. I was nervous. I didn't know if anybody was going to like me because I didn't believe in something that they did. And to be honest, <clears throat> I was scared of rejection. Little did I know that in those three short days, God had, God had a plan for me as a 14-year-old boy that would change my life forever. I had an encounter, a real heartfelt encounter with the creator of the universe and this God that I wanted nothing to do with and I couldn't comprehend all of a sudden was the focal point in the center of my life. Everything that didn't make sense had started to fall into place and I just remember for about a year this overwhelming feeling of just love and affection that God has been showing me that I had never known from my real father. In that year, my mom began to see a difference in me and being the amazing woman she is, she packed up all of our stuff and moved all the way across the country so that we could pursue this loving life for Christ. I remember waking up every day with God being the first thought on my mind and being the last thought as my head hit the pillow. I remember going to school and with everything it is that I was, I wanted to show people God's grace, his love, and his truth through me and my thoughts and my words and my actions to everyone that I knew. And life seemed perfect. And I started my junior year of high school at Fruta. And suddenly, life had changed. 
Over a few months, my, my focus had went from seeking and pursuing Jesus and the call that he had for me in my life to seeking attention and popularity of those around me. See, I still believed in God, but I stopped making him my priority and eventually I, I stopped making him my anything. I started hanging out with the wrong kids. I, I had stopped going to church and I had distanced myself from everyone that had a spiritual, spiritual influence on my life. I, I had gotten into a relationship that seemed great and I thought was perfect. I invested all of my time into this relationship and everything that I had once known was gone. I started drinking, I started partying, I started to disrespect and argue with my mom. I was never home and I was okay with it. I honestly was more than okay, I was great. Or so I thought. The relationship that I invested all of my love into was destroyed and I remember feeling heartbroken and crushed beyond all repair. I was lost and I had no one to turn to and all the emotions and the feelings that I had when I was a kid started to come back to me. I knew who God was at this point but I was scared scared that he never loved me the same way. I thought that there is no way that God could forgive me because there's no way that I would forgive someone if they had turned their back on me and leave me in the dust. I was at an all-time low and I was to blame. I knew it was my fault and I was so ashamed and disappointed in myself. A short while later, I started attending 4640 and attended the Desperation Conference. And it was there that I heard one of the most amazing messages that has ever spoken to my heart personally. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like the message that just gets the tears running and the heart pounding and beating so fast it feels like it's just gonna burst out of your chest and, and, and the, the snot's all running and it, it, just, it just gives you this, this atmosphere for God to enter that, and it also just it like enables you to surrender everything because you know that everything is going to be okay. That message for me was given by Jabin Chavez and at one point he said, there is no Christianity without a cross and there is no discipleship without a desert. See, I didn't know it, but I believe that when I was on top of the mountain with God and when things were at its peak and everything was great is when I got too comfortable. And it was my responsibility to hold fast to him and I lost my way. I stranded off into the desert. He was there, he was guiding me, but I let go and I stopped listening to his voice and his guidance for my life. I chose to go down the path that I went down and I was lost in the desert. But our God is a loving God. He is merciful and he is forgiving. Philippians chapter three, verses 13 and 14 say, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. It was my time. It was my time to let go and to come back to my father. It was time to forget about my yesterday and look forward to my tomorrow. Jesus loves us and he won't leave us in the dust regardless of what we may have done. No matter what the devil tells us, that we're not worthy, that we're nothing, that we have no purpose and that we are too far gone, trust me when I tell you that each and every one of you are worthy. You are something and that you do have a purpose. And if there's anyone here that is in the same boat as I was and still am in that, I, and you were stuck in those lies and you thought there was no way out, I'm here to reassure you that there is a way out and that breakthrough is coming. It's just our job to press towards the goal. Forget about your yesterday. And don't spend your whole life trying to get rid of a sin that's already been paid for you. Surrender your right now. Think about what's burning in your heart right now, what may be weighing you down and just let it go. Forget about it. Accept that forgiveness and look forward to your tomorrow. Don't doubt in the desert what you learned on the mountain. Put your faith in God and see what he can do for you. And I promise you, you won't regret it.
So, um, I don't know what to say next because I just think that was so real and so honest and so true to what God is doing in, in so many of your hearts. And I just want you to know that if you want to talk after 4640 tonight, you want to talk to any one of these student speakers, you want to talk to Orange Team, you want to have someone, one of the pastors to talk to or pray with any of these people, we're here for that. We're here for that every single week. That's, that's what we want for you. We want you to have the, this place that you can come to, that you can trust people, that you can talk about whatever's going on in your life and know that we love you. We don't judge you. We want to pray with you. We want you to be able to have the ability to walk more closely with Christ each day. We also know that each one of you has a story. And what we want to do in 2017 is give you the opportunities to tell your stories. What's, been, what's God been doing in your heart? What's he been teaching you? What's he been showing you? And if you have a story that you want to tell, like the student speakers told tonight, we want you to come to one of the 4640 pastors or your small group leader, talk to us about that, and we will get you scheduled and get one organized. We're gonna try to do these regularly so that each one of you can know each other's story and, and how God weaves things together. Because I think when we're going through our own tragic tragedy in our life, it feels like we're so alone and like, why is it? Well, part of it is there so that we can share it, so we can encourage and strengthen one another. And we wanna be able to give you that opportunity. Let's pray a blessing together and then just remember all those speakers and the pastors and Orange Team are here to pray with you tonight. God, we just thank you. We thank you that you're at work, that when we come together and we gather together, you're at work when we're together and when we're singing and we're celebrating, we're praising you, we're worshiping you, when we're praying one for another, when we're listening to your word, you're here and you're at work. And when we go out into the world, into our schools and our homes and our individual day in, day out lives, you continue to go with us. You don't leave us. You don't live here in this building. You live within us and you go out with us. And, and as we go through those moments of life, you're with us and you're coaching us and you're directing us and you're reminding us of scriptures and, and reminding us of the things that you've been trying to teach us. And Lord, for those who feel like right now they're in one of those dark and lonely places and they feel far away, God, speak to them. And Lord, for those who feel like their story's finally coming together. This chapter is finally making sense. Lord, encourage them to keep on going. And for those who, who feel so far away and, and darkened by sin, God, just draw them into your light and your truth and your healing. God, we, we need you. We need you individually and we need you corporately. And we thank you that you're, you're present in both places. And we love you so much for it. We love these students, God. Bless them. Bless their families and their parents. God, bless them in their coming and their going. Bless them in their finances, in their relationships, in their friendships, in their destinies, in their future. God, bless them most of all with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are dismissing to small groups at this point and or dismissing to pray or go about your business. We love you guys and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.